Hi, I'm Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. And make sure to check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And now, the learning begins in three, two, one. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. I'm your host, Greg Goins, and my special guest today is Matt Friedman, who serves as the Chief Academic Officer for the Downingtown School District in Pennsylvania. As a strong voice for future-ready schools, Matt Friedman has expertise in curriculum and instruction, including technology integration, design thinking principles, and personalized learning for both students and teachers. During this past school year, the Downingtown School District became the first in the state of Pennsylvania to roll out a new mobile innovation lab, a handicap accessible school bus that provides STEM-based, project-based learning and includes hands-on learning for all students. Learn more about the Magic School Bus at Matt's Twitter feed at MattFriedmanPGH are at the school district website at dasd.org. So folks, thanks again for listening to Reimagine Schools podcast. I hope you enjoy this conversation with my special guest, Matt Friedman. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Reimagine Schools. My special guest today is the chief academic officer of a large school district in Downingtown, Pennsylvania. Very pleased to catch up with Matt Friedman. How are you, Matt? Good. How about yourself? Good. I know you are a busy guy. As I look at your job description, what does a chief academic officer do in a school district that has 16 schools, including 10 elementary schools? So uh, it is a big job, I will agree. Uh, we are pushing 13,000 students in our district. We have 16 schools, as you mentioned, 10 elementary schools and six secondary schools. And we have a sixth grade center, uh, two middle schools and three high schools. Uh, we are very fortunate in our district to have something called uh, the Downingtown Area STEM Academy. Uh, the STEM Academy is essentially a charter school within our district only for our students. So we have eighth graders apply to get into the Downingtown STEM Academy, which is an inter international uh, baccalaureate curriculum. And uh, we have 200 students per class in the building right now. Uh, so, um, as a chief academic officer of the district, I oversee K-12 academics, uh, all aspects of academics. Uh, I oversee K-12 professional development and instructional technology. So uh, something different every day, but uh, very fulfilling and uh, very busy, as you mentioned. Well, I always have great admiration for people that take on that type of job in that large of a school district. And you've been doing this for a while. You were a very successful assistant superintendent of instruction and technology. You have a great background in technology. How have things changed, let's say, the last five years as you kind of look big picture 
at what your priorities might have been or how have they changed during that time period as you look holistically at, you know, future ready schools? So I'm actively involved with future ready schools, uh, but really the biggest change I've seen, uh, and I'm sure you can absolutely relate to this. Uh, I, I lived through the days as a building administrator and even in central office when technology was just starting to get introduced into schools. And you would march the students down to the computer lab and technology basically was uh, an event and you would introduce the kids to the different types of uh, technologies that you had in the school, but it was in a separate room and then you'd come back to class. And then I remember the days when districts were fortunate enough you could buy three or four computers, usually desktops, to go into the back of the classroom and technology started to get integrated. Uh, in my last district as an assistant super in western Pennsylvania and now in Downingtown in eastern Pennsylvania, I've been fortunate to be part of two school districts where we are one-to-one K-12. So that really uh, shifts the paradigm uh, immensely. Uh, it has really put technology at our fingertips on a day-to-day -day basis and really we look at technology as a true teaching and learning tool. So ongoing professional development with staff and watching that personalized professional growth with staff is something I'm passionate about and it's really amazing to see uh, teachers of all ages and all levels uh, embrace integrating technology as a teaching and learning tool. So that's probably the biggest thing that I've seen over the past five years. And uh, we really have to think about the learners walking into our schools on a daily basis. And, and they're different than they were even five years ago or 10 years ago. Uh, they have, they're used to having things instantaneously and at their fingertips. So um, we need to embrace that as educators. And, you know, I think you and I can agree on this, but everything that we, we talk about and all of our priorities have to be student focused, um, you know, across the curriculum. But when I think about one to one or I think about BYOT or BYOD or uh, just the technology evolution, uh, that's when my mind shifts from the student to the adults in the building, because I think that's the greatest obstacle is teaching the adults, the faculty and staff how to adequately use those tools. And that's something that I think a lot of people still struggle with. I agree. Uh, and, I, and I often hear from all stakeholder groups, uh, that's not the way they learned in school. And it's, it, for years, and including myself, it was very teacher focused. And I, I come from a family of educators and my dad uh, was a 12th grade social studies teacher and he could probably lecture with the best of them. Uh, but it's student focused uh, and, and it's been student focused and the research really shows that uh, learners learn best in a student-centered environment. And so uh, it's, a, it's a daily evolution inside of our schools. And I often see at conferences and, and when I even present to other educators outside of Downingtown, I talk about what a classroom looked like 100 years ago versus today and the rows of desks versus walking in the classrooms now and you see rows of desks and you see it very teacher centric. 
and continuing to figure out ways to shift the paradigm. Technology is this one aspect that can help shift that and make it more student-centered, but it's really the facilitating of learning and, and the letting go process from teachers. Uh, so I, I think you're spot on with what you're saying. And, and you know, we've had uh, numerous conversations on the podcast. I've had a lot of great guests on, and there are a lot of different things floating around out there, whether it be design thinking, blended learning, um, you know, the list goes on and on and on with all these innovative ideas out there. If I'm in your seat, where do I put all of my time and focus? Well, I think you touched on uh, one in particular, design thinking, growth mindset. Uh, you talk about soft skills uh, necessary uh, beyond the walls of the school. And in Pennsylvania, uh, the Department of Education has really put a huge emphasis on college and career readiness, which I think you know any Department of Education across the, the United States really should focus on the college and career readiness piece. But you know, I can I can only speak to Pennsylvania right now that they've put such an emphasis on it, and it's really helped us laser focus on the necessary skills that students need. Five years ago, 10 years ago, the end game was always getting into a two-year, four-year college. But I think it's really preparing our students for a litany of different options. And you talk about the skill, the 21st century skills. I kind of bristle at that phrase. But the 21st century skills, the critical thinking, the communication, and the creativity, and the collaboration. Those are necessary skills that top CEOs have talked about for years that they want their employees to embrace and to really thrive when they come into the workplace. Well, we teach those, we embed those, we, we embed the habits of mind starting at the elementary level. Uh, and these are all skills, you know, the perseverance and, and you know, the grit necessary to get past challenges. And, uh, all of those skills, I think, really focus on the whole child. And it's not just about academic achievement. I think it's about the growth of the whole child and preparing them you know, for what lies beyond the walls of K-12 education. So in Downingtown, we're you know, providing those necessary skills in, in all levels. Uh, I think, you know, we're focusing on financial literacy, we're focusing on the soft skills necessary when they get into the workforce, but it's amazing to me how many, how many different podcasts and lectures and conferences I've gone to, and you talk about the, the lack of people in, in trades these days, and so it's really providing and opening the eyes for students to all the opportunities out there. And, you know, it wasn't too long ago we were talking a lot about flip learning and how, um, you know, everyone, uh, I hate to use the word buzzword because I know flip learning has a lot of great value and it's still being incorporated a lot of places, but I'm seeing it less and less now, it seems. I know you're a huge advocate for flip learning. What do you think the obstacle has been for that to really take off? So I had the privilege of uh, meeting uh, Aaron Sams and John Bergman, the two uh, creators of Flip Learning 10 plus years ago. And uh, Aaron and I have stayed in contact over the years. Um, and I think Flip Learning is a great instructional tool. Uh, it's not something that uh, probably can be used every day in all settings, but 
it, it's really, it focuses almost on the Netflix and YouTube generation of learners where you have uh, two or three or four minute clips. And what I love about it is that when you come into the classroom the next day and you focus on higher level questioning and analysis. And when you're getting it, and it's not the memorization of content, you're really flipping the script. And it's, it's about the analysis and the application of what you've learned in, in the short videos and really taking it to the next level. So you talk about depth of knowledge and different levels of questions. Uh, it, it's very hard to not only create those, but to have those conversations in class. And so I've seen good to great in a lot of classrooms through tools like flipped learning. But I, I, I got to emphasize that as, as much of a proponent I am of something like flipped learning, it's, it's something that really needs to be used in moderation. And I think both John and Aaron, um, the people, you know, when they first started you know, delving into this concept, I, they saw it uh, as something that was an instructional strategy, not something that could be used on a daily basis. And so I, I agree with you that it, was a, it became a buzzword and it's kind of, I don't want to say fizzled out, but I think people have refocused and taken the good and re, repositioned it in other ways. Well, one thing we can also agree on is, is, you know, personalized learning is probably the thing right now that people are most enamored with, and rightly so. I mean, we talk about the benefits of personalized learning uh, for students, obviously, but I know you're also doing some great things uh, with personalized learning with the adults in your building, as you do some innovative things with professional development. Can you just talk about how you make PD for your, your faculty a personalized situation? Sure. So... That's one of the key things that I've really been a huge proponent of for years. Um, the The days of one size fits all professional development is is long gone, uh, especially in a district where uh, I have 900 plus staff members, K to 12. Uh, adults are different types of learners, just like students. So we really, we really, we truly work hard in this district to personalize the experience and really focus on personalized professional growth. We have something that uh, is probably common in a lot of districts. We we offer a flex day opportunity where um, teachers have the opportunity to personalize their learning and collect six hours of personalized professional development. Uh, starting on July 1st, the beginning of the school year, uh, and a determined date in the calendar. And so if they're able to acquire uh, approved personalized professional learning, uh, six hours worth, then they can use that for a designated date in the calendar to have off. Um, so that's been a nice incentive, and, and it's, been, it's been great to watch 900-plus teachers uh, really personalize their professional growth. Uh, another huge hit in terms of personalizing professional growth, we have something uh, in the fall every year, we call it the Downingtown Learning Summit, where we have uh, 200 plus professional development sessions. It's essentially um, a mini conference for only 
uh, employees in our district. And we usually have a keynote speaker, and then we let uh, our staff members choose four sessions throughout the day that they can sign up for and, and go to. And they range from you know, high level to low level tech skills to uh, instructional strategies and best practices. Uh, to content-specific sessions, to social, social and emotional learning. Uh, so it really runs the gamut, and we let teachers uh, pick the sessions. And, and actually, last year, uh, and it worked out perfectly with the weather, uh, for lunch, we even had food trucks come to our district, and, which was a huge hit, and you know something outside the box. But you really need to um, focus on that personalized professional growth. Uh, the term personalized learning to me, um, that is the new buzzword in education. And, and in, in our district, and I just want to point this out in terms of uh, students, one of our huge focuses moving into the 1920 school year is really focusing on student agency and voice and choice for students. And, and what I mean by that, they're not going to focus on what they learn per se, but how they show the learning. So uh, learners learn in a lot of different ways and we want them to express that. So if we have you know, some common expectations that we want them to follow, the student agency piece is huge. And I, and I mentioned that because it really ties into the, the personalized learning with staff members. And if we can model it with staff members, I feel that they can replicate that inside their classrooms with, with students as well. And I know the other thing that you're extremely passionate about is redefining learning spaces and uh, what what's being called the magic school bus there in your area. You have created a mobile innovation lab that is really phenomenal and kudos to you and everyone involved there. But can you just talk to us a little bit about the redefining those learning spaces and and what that mobile lab has meant for you? Absolutely. Uh, I am so, so proud of the work of so many people in Downingtown to, to make this a possibility. But uh, uh, let, me, let me start off with a quick story. So um, the story behind the, the mobile lab really focused on STEM education at our elementary level. Uh, we, about two years ago, created a class uh, part of our special area classes with music and art and physical education and health. And we called it iDesign. And iDesign really focused on design challenges for our students and design thinking and growth mindset with our elementary students. And we would provide them with design challenges and give them a collaborative fun space to work on using different types of robotics and building tools to, to you know, uh, accomplish these design challenges. So with 10 elementary schools, we have uh, spatial issues across and different issues across the 10 buildings. So one of the things that we really wanted to focus on as a district was the equity piece, providing an equitable space for learning for all students. It shouldn't matter what your address is, uh, you know, you needed to really be provided with an equitable space for learning uh, across our 10 buildings. So to take it one step further, we we're trying to figure out some creative ways that we could provide some high level STEM education to all of our learners across the Downingtown Area School District. Uh, so about two years ago, I was at a conference and through the power of social media, 
Um, I, you know, I, I use Twitter probably as my number one tool uh, um, in terms of social media from a professional standpoint. I connected about three years ago with a gentleman in Baltimore County Public Schools, and he's their director of innovation. And uh, we were talking about something they created. Uh, and just to put it in perspective, they have uh, about 112 elementary schools in Baltimore County Public Schools. So since it's a countywide system, they have a huge, huge district. And they were running into the same issue that we're running into in Downingtown, trying to provide equitable learning uh, for all of their students across a countywide system. So as fate would have it, uh, I went to a, a STEM-focused conference and uh, we were placed in table groups and I sit down next to the gentleman that I connected with for years on Twitter. And we started talking about uh, you know, brainstorming ways. And he said, well, we developed a mobile innovation lab in Baltimore County uh, to provide equitable STEM education across our 112 elementary schools. And I said, that is a brilliant, brilliant idea. So I took it back to my district. I sit on the board of our Downingtown Community Education Foundation. Uh, it's something I did in my previous district and I'm very passionate about being on uh, the education board in Downingtown as well. And so uh, we were brainstorming different ways that we could really make an impact as a foundation. I brought, I brought this idea up uh, about two years ago and um, everyone embraced it and loved it. And so uh, through the charitable work of not only the foundation, but local businesses, our, our local intermediate units, and the hard work of our school district and our school board of directors, we were able to put all the pieces in place and we created our own mobile innovation lab. Uh, we um, hired a teacher that was a third grade teacher in our district who was tailor-made for this position. And what she does, uh, she likes to refer to herself honestly as the real Miss Frizzle from the Magic School Bus. And what she does, she does residencies that are 10 elementary buildings. And she will go to each of the buildings for about two weeks at a time. Uh, she will visit each elementary school uh, two times throughout the year. And our students have opportunities to go on the mobile lab uh, for a total of three times throughout the year. And what they will work on um, are higher level things that we have not scaled into our buildings, uh, programming and robotics um, activities. Uh, she will talk to them as in a whole group in this mobile lab uh, for about five or 10 minutes and kind of set the stage. And for the next 30 to 35 minutes, these students will talk, will do all the things that we talked about previously uh, in our conversation, the collaboration piece and the creativity piece and the communication amongst uh, different students. And they're really focusing on design challenges, integrating robotics and technology and all the skills that we want them to have access to. And we do this K through five, and all of our students have lo loved it. They are begging for the mobile lab to come back. And, and that's probably one of the biggest compliments you can get as an educator, when, when students wanna run out to the mobile lab and learn uh, as much as they can. So it, it's been an amazing adventure. Um, it's gonna continue to grow. Uh, one, of the, one of the questions we often hear is when are we going to build another one so we can have two in the district. And so 
it's a huge, huge compliment to so many people. Uh, probably take too long to thank everyone, but I can tell you that it's really brought all stakeholder groups together. It's really bridged uh, the community and the district working together. It's brought parents into the equation. Um, we're having actually tomorrow night, we're having a huge uh, community open house where we're gonna have uh, different um, STEM related stations and we're inviting everyone in the district and community and outside the community to come tour to Mobile Lab. We've had the honor of presenting at state and national conferences. Uh, so we're really getting the word out there. And then probably one of the biggest things that I like to do as an educator, uh, we're starting to be able to pay it forward as well. Um, you know, we don't want to hide the success that we've had. So other districts have reached out to us from across the country uh, through the uh, attention that we're getting with the mobile lab. And, you know, we're sharing plans, we're sharing our vision. Uh, Baltimore County and Downingtown have forged a very uh, tight relationship and our mobile lab teacher and their mobile lab teacher collaborate on building curriculum and lessons. So, it has really been a, a great model for districts, uh, big and small, across the country and really across the world. So I, I think this is, I think we've you know, touched on uh, the type of learning that is, that is uh, necessary for students today. And you can check out pictures of the uh, new mobile innovation lab at Matt's Twitter feed at Matt Friedman PGH. And there are some fantastic pictures there. And, you know, Matt, I think the thing, uh, first of all, kudos to you for your hard work and everyone there that has made this happen. It truly is a, an innovative idea, and I can see more and more places trying to replicate this model. But I, I think the thing that warms my heart the most is the outpouring of support. If you think about school and community relations, I mean, from, from the bus being donated to the school district to groups of folks fundraising to make this happen. I mean, this is something that didn't happen overnight. You've been planning for a while. But to make this a community project, I can just uh, imagine the smile you get from people when the, when the bus rolls up. Yeah, it truly has been an amazing uh, partnership, as you mentioned. Um, the fact that one of the busing companies that we work with donated the, the bus, uh, it's a full-size school bus that is handicap accessible, so it has a hydraulic lift on the side, which was necessary so we could wheel the equipment in and out uh, of the of the mobile lab on a, on a nightly basis. Um, so we had some specific uh, things that we needed for um, for the bus itself, but from working with our local intermediate units um, to and the students at the Technical College High School to help gut the bus, to work with local business and industry to help build the bus uh, and to partner with local uh, businesses to uh, donate money so we can put high-end equipment on the bus. Uh, it, it really has been a huge model uh, for success and one, you know, it, it's a model that we'll be able to truly replicate in other projects that we do down the line. But the, the great thing with the mobile lab is that uh, we're going to take a lot of the successes that we've had with the lab and the curriculum and start to integrate it probably within a couple years into our buildings and, and look for ways that we can scale some of the hands-on curriculum that we've created for the mobile lab and think of 
the next new and great things that we want to expose our students to at the elementary level. So when the mobile lab rolls up to the buildings, it truly is an event and it's, and it's something that, you know, that not only connects to our curriculum, but provides them with the opportunities that they might not have um, just because of, of space. And so really it's, it's been because uh, it started out uh, because of equity and will continue to provide equity in our district, which I think is, you know, something that uh, I, I personally am very proud of. Well, it's been a great conversation. And again, uh, folks, you want to follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Friedman PGH and check out pictures of the, uh, the, the innovative lab. I almost called it the magic school bus. So I guess you're going to have to embrace that title. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, I'll take that because we've gotten some national, you know, state and national recognition and uh, it's been referred to as a magic school bus. So uh, we've embraced that. And, and truly our, our teacher, Brittany Schwab, who has been beyond incredible. Um, like I said, she has really embraced her role as the mobile lab teacher and she loves the idea of working on the magic school bus on, on a daily basis. So uh, I'm not going to take that away from her. And if people out there listening want to connect with you or maybe come visit your school, what's the best way to get, get a hold of you? Uh, you can either email me um, and you can find my email address on the Downingtown website, which is uh, uh, dasd.org. And you can find my name on there. And as you mentioned, Greg, uh, M Friedman PGH at, um, is my Twitter handle and I will get right back to you either way. Um, but I encourage anyone listening to, uh, reach out. Um, we'll, we'll, you know, we would love to share our story, um, any of our content and really collaborate and, you know, helping you take the next steps. Well, it was certainly great to catch up with you again. I hope you have a fantastic summer and the school bus continues to roll through, uh, down in town and to every school that you have there. Well, thank you, Greg. I appreciate it. All right. That was another great conversation we had today. We were talking with Matt Friedman, the chief academic officer at Downingtown, Pennsylvania. They have a lot of wonderful things going on there. So you want to follow Matt and be sure to connect and check things out. And that's it. That's a wrap on this episode, folks. And as always, do what you can in your school and community to create better schools for kids. Hi, this is Tate. I am seven years old and I'm in first grade. I like school and I love technology. Thanks for listening to my Uncle Greggy's podcast. Thank you for listening to the Reimagined Schools podcast with Dr. Greg Goins. Be sure to continue the conversation on social media with the Reimagined Schools hashtag and subscribe to the podcast at reimaginedschools.net. You can also help support this podcast by clicking on the listener support link and making a small monthly contribution. Contact Dr. Greg Goins today to invite him to speak or present at your next education conference or professional development day. Please send inquiries to drgreggoins at gmail.com or on Twitter at Dr. Greg Goins.